The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning. Uh, isn't God great? A couple of things I want to encourage you to and remind you of. First of all, uh, our website, uh, www.firstconyers.com, has a couple of pages that are of interest to you, updates related to uh, coronavirus, different resources for you and your family as you continue to worship the Lord in your home. And that's one of the good things I have seen come through this is that I think parents' uh, homes are really beginning to recognize that it's their responsibility to make disciples of their children. And I'm going to encourage you just to continue those family worship times. As a matter of fact, for today's uh, message, there is a family worship guide that's located there for you that Miss Vicki put together. So I encourage you to, to take your family and go along with that worship guide as we talk this morning about the greatness of God. Uh, second thing, if you're just connecting with us on our website, there is a place that you can connect in. Let us know that you're here. Just fill out a little bit of brief information there. Let us know how we can pray for you as well. We'd love to do that. I want to encourage you uh, that every morning during this time, we're going through the Psalms together. And so every day at 8.30 a.m., uh, excuse me, 8 a.m., we are doing a devotional uh, through the Psalms every day. We're taking five Psalms a day, and we're selecting one of those, and I do a brief devotion on that. So join in with us. Father, we pray that, God, as we've already reflected through song, your greatness. God, I pray that your word would stir in our hearts this morning by the Holy Spirit as we indeed look at your greatness. God, it's really unfathomable how great you are. And so, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would comfort our hearts. God, give us assurance, Lord, as we look at your greatness and worship you in response to you being just a great God. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, probably one of the first recollections all of us have from a theological standpoint is the expression that when I was a kid growing up, and maybe you did as well, we learned a family prayer around our breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And the start of that prayer was, God is great. You remember that? God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for, his, for this food. And see, I've already forgotten it. But the first part of it, God is great and God is good. And we didn't realize maybe at that time the significance of that first phrase, that God is great, that He truly indeed is great. As a matter of fact, when we look at the greatness of God and how the Bible describes Him as great, it causes me to want to say I will never use that word again in relation to anything else. This meal was great. That game was great. Boy, wasn't that experience great? But when we compare it to the greatness of God, there really is only one place that we can attribute that word to, and that is God in comparison to everything else we might consider as great. 
All week long, I have been meditating on this fact of the greatness of God. Some of that has come out of the daily devotions that we've been doing through the book of Psalm, because Psalms repeats over and over, as well as other places in Scripture, the greatness of God. And it calls its readers, calls us as the readers of those Psalms and those verses to worship God in response to His greatness. He alone is worthy of our worship because of His greatness. The prophet Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 6. He says, There is none like you, O Lord, or O God. You are great, and your name is great in might. And Jeremiah is comparing him not only to any other created being, but the the false gods, those things that would be worshipped as God. And he says, God, there is no other like you, for you are great. In 1 Chronicles, we read this in verse uh, chapter 29, verse 11, where the writer says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness of Yours, God, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. Listen to those adjectives that are used. Greatness, power, glory, victory, the majesty, for all that is in the heavens and in the earth are yours. Now, that's unimaginable to think of all that exists in the heavens. We only know a small portion of it through science of what's there. But here the writer says, all of this, all that's in the heavens and on the earth is yours. They belong to you. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all things. In other words, when I reflect that all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth, God, you're exalted. I exalt you because these belong to you. You have created them and how great of a God you are. Let me read one other passage from the prophet Isaiah chapter 40 verse 26 where the prophet says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. The prophet's looking into the stars and the heavens and he says, who created all of these, the expanse of what he could see in the heavens. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. Now think of all the stars and all the planets, and God knows all of their names. It's hard for me to remember half a dozen of your names. I am not Ryan Green that happens to remember every person's name that I meet. But when you think of it, God, all of the billions and billions, trillions of stars, God knows them, and He knows all of their names, and He calls them by their name. By the greatest of His might, and because He is strong in power, not one is missing. Uh, This last week, I've been able to spend a lot of time outside, either on the porch or out in the yard sitting, and uh, as I've studied and prayed and meditated on the things of God, and it's been amazing as I've taken the time just to look at the smallest of His creation Uh, to see the magnificence, even in the leaf and the structure of that and and the bluebirds that are building in the nest in front of my home and all of the flowers that are blooming. And I think this is merely an expression of the greatness of God. 
it doesn't fully describe his greatness. A book that I'm reading lately called The Circle Marker by Mark Batterson, it's on prayer. He writes this when he just considers the greatness of God in the heavens. He says, the universe is so large that it requires an awfully long measuring tape. The basic unit of measurement is a light year. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second, which is so fast that in the time it takes to snap your fingers, light circumnavigates the globe half a dozen times. Isn't that amazing? To put the speed of light and the size of the universe into perspective, the sun is 94.4 million miles away from the earth at its farther di- farthest distance from us. If you could drive to the sun traveling 65 miles per hour, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it would take you more than 163 years to get there. The light that warms your face on a sunny day, on the other hand, left the surface of the sun only eight minutes ago. So while 94.4 million miles may seem like a long distance by earthly standards, it's our next-door neighbor by celestial measurements. The sun is the nearest star in our tiny little galaxy known as the Milky Way. But there are more than 80 billion galaxies in the universe, which for the record equates to more than 10 galaxies per person. So you each have 10 galaxies uh, I don't think you have to worry about running out of things to do when you get to heaven. It's an awfully big sandbox. In conclusion, he says this, in one minute, light travels a million, uh, 11 million miles. In one day, light travels 160 billion miles. In one year, light travels an unfathomable 5 trillion, 865 billion, 696 million miles. But that's just one light year. The outer edge of the universe, according to uh, astrophysicists, is 15.5 billion light years away. If that seems incomprehensible, it's because it is virtually unimaginable. That's just one aspect of the greatness of God. Colossians Paul writes this relating to Christ and his ability to uphold all of that. He says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Jeremiah concludes it by saying this in chapter 32, verse 17. He says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And so I want to encourage you this Sunday that there is nothing too hard or too difficult for God. He has created it all. He is great. He is full of power. He is full of might. And he has not lost control of your life or this universe. Let that be encouraged. If God can.
can create such that is so unimaginable? Is it too difficult for him to be concerned for the areas in your life and to take care of you as one of his most treasured creations? We see the greatness of God in creation. There are a couple other things that the psalmist and other scriptures relate to the greatness of God. And the the second thing is not only is he great in creation and in power, but he's great in knowledge. If you're like me the last week as I've been keeping up with the, the events around this virus, it seems to me, and I don't think it's unintentional, it seems to me that there are confusing messages that are coming out related to the virus and its effects and its cause and how long and, and how, how tragic, etc., And I don't think any of that is intentional. I think that even with the greatest of science, the greatest of minds in science, the greatest of minds in in economics, the fact is it is beyond our knowing. But God knows all, and His wisdom is far greater than ours. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. The depths. They're they're beyond expression. There's no end. There's no bottom. They're beyond that, his knowledge and his wisdom. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Meaning as much as we try to figure out the knowledge of God, as much as we try to figure out his judgments and, and, and the execution of his will, they are beyond our comprehension. We may see the evidence of those, but we cannot predict how he will operate and how he will move. They're, they're beyond us. He goes on to say in that same chapter in the next verse, for, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? I I love the way that Paul puts that. Who has known his mind? I have a hard enough time figuring out my wife's mind, let let alone God's mind. She's figured mine out completely. Um, And and once I think I figured out her mind, she changes her mind. But to to know the mind of God, it's impossible for us outside of what He has revealed to us in His special revelation through the Word of God. To know the mind of God. And then he says kind of quickly, who has been his counselor? In other words, J-Mo, who are you to try to give counsel to God on what He should or shouldn't do? He's God. He does not need your counsel, J-Mo. Isaiah the prophet said this in chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. He said, as God is speaking, for, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You see, he, he is not conditioned that, that he should respond to our thoughts or respond to our ways or what we think is what He is God Almighty. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. How do we respond to the wisdom and the knowledge of God and His greatness? I think it's very simple. I say it's simple. The expression is simple, but to do it is another thing. 
when I can't figure life out, when I can't figure things out, when I can't rely fully on those who are experts in those areas, what do I need to do? How do I need to respond to those things? Well, it's simply this. Trust the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Rest in His wisdom and knowledge. There's nothing in this universe that has taken place or is taking place or will take place that has slipped His mind or His design. Trust the wisdom of God. Lastly, one of the greatest expressions of God throughout Scripture is the expression of His character. And we see His greatness in His character. The psalmist says in Psalm 77, verse 13, Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You see, first and foremost, at the the bedrock of God's character is that He is holy. The expression of that is even difficult to relay or convey in words. He is pure. He is right. He is righteous. And especially in relation to you and to me, we are light years away in our natural state and condition from the holiness of God. You see, it's difficult for us to understand the holiness of God because you and I are so marred by the depravity of sin. And to be able to understand the holiness of God is difficult for us to imagine. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 15 says this, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. It causes me to examine the way that I approach God, whether it's in my morning devotions, whether it's through the day in my vocation, whether it is a, a Sunday morning uh, when we gather corporately as a body to worship God, I, I'm, I'm convinced that too often we do not reflect on the holiness of God, that we come in with a sense oftentimes of wanting to have our desires, our preferences met as if the worship service was orchestrated for you and for me. Can I tell you, it is not. God forbid that we would have the mindset that it's for us. It is for Him, and it's an expression of worship to His holiness. May God never let us go back to the way things were corporately in our worship as a result of this virus. Revelation chapter 15, verse 4, John writes this, Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. God is holy in his character. And he is great because he is holy. He is great because He has all wisdom and all knowledge, and He is great because all that is in the universe, He not only has created and He has made, but He holds it all together. We ought to worship God in response to His greatness. Let me close by reading Psalm 96. It's the psalm that we'll look at in depth tomorrow morning during our devotion at 8 a.m. 
The psalmist writes this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Let me, let me stop for just a moment. Some of us have not sang a new song in 50 years. But the psalmist here says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that's due His name, and bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world in righteousness in his peoples, in his faithfulness. How should we respond? Number one, by worshiping the Lord in His greatness. Worship Him because of His greatness. Number two, bring an offering, as the psalmist says. Respond to Him in our worship, in an offering to Him, a sacrifice to Him. And lastly, tell others of the greatness of God. I shared this last week in the devotion that this time will pass. And as it passes, God desires that you and I share and express His goodness and all the great things that He has done. As the worship team sang Psalm 66 just before the message this morning, I want to remind us of what the psalmist said in verse 16. Come and hear all who fear God, and I will tell what He has done for my soul. God has called us to win people to Jesus, to disciple them in Him, and to send them to tell others. And as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, you have a testimony to share. Share it with others of the goodness and greatness of God. Father, we love you. We worship you. We magnify your name. God, may we express your greatness throughout this week. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.